All right, everybody, welcome to episode 61 of Toons Mate. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And Ray, today, wait a minute. Today, I think we're going to talk about probably one of the most prolific albums, at least in our lifetime. And you brought it up to me. So I'll let you tell everyone, what are we going to be talking about today? Yeah, so one of the most prolific albums, in fact, I mean, routinely talked about is the biggest selling album of all time. So November 30th marked the 40th anniversary of the release of Michael Jackson's Thriller album, right? As you said, one of the the biggest albums of all time, best selling album of all time. I mean, you know, by how many metrics does this thing, you know, top the chart of, of greatness in, in pop music, you know, eight top 10 hits, just, you know, right on down the line. So yeah, 40th anniversary of Michael Jackson's Thriller released. Yeah, it's amazing. And if you look at each one of these tracks on this album, I mean, I know there were seven singles released off of it. There were only nine tracks. So the other two, if you listen to them that were not released, could have been top 40 hits as well at the time. I think they just said, okay, I think we've made enough dent with this album. But you're right. This is Michael Jackson just came off. Well, not to make a bad pun, but his album before this was off the wall. (laughs) And he went back into the studio and put together this masterpiece with Quincy Jones and brought in so many musicians. I mean, we talked about this before, but not only, you know, Eddie Van Halen on Beat It, but then we talked about we're going to see there's going to be Paul McCartney on vocals and James Ingram backup. David Foster was on keys. You had, of course, some of his siblings, Janet and Latoya were on here and Jeff Picaro and Steve Picaro. And as we said, Steve Lukather and hmm, surprisingly, hmm, they're all from Toto. <laughs> so there are so many well-rounded musicians on this. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. I mean, you know, I misspoke. I said eight. I was Looking at my uh, list real quick, and Say 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 is in the middle of the the run, right? So I was counting real quick and... Didn't realize that. That's not from this. That's from Paul McCartney's album. But so as you mentioned, right, there were all these teamwork that was going on at the time. There were seven top 10 singles, as you said, out of nine tracks. And it's not like the other two songs are slouches, right? And so, yeah, where do you start? Well, let's start at the top, right? And so I think we want to be starting something with this. What a great appropriate song that Michael Jackson picked to kick this off and you hear this song it gets played now yeah at the end of the song I think this is one of the rare songs where the end of the song is actually almost better than the beginning of the song because they start chanting and I always mess it up but it's like at the end of it mama said mama saw my moccasin no wait no wait right yes yeah and it just gets everybody pumped up i don't care what age you are as soon as you hit that part and i think it's been sampled by rihanna and others this is one of the and the writing credit is solely to michael jackson yeah so this one i mean quincy jones and michael jackson produced it together but michael wrote this one and i mean yeah it starts off the album right so it's kind of like this you know, kind of tongue in cheek. Okay, want to be starting something, so we're going to start the album. 
And as you said, it still gets played today. It's been sampled. It's got that infectious groove to it, the bass line that, that comes in. I mean, and that's it. I mean, that's not alone to this song. That's a trademark of this entire album. So yeah, yeah. And it, it's something that you catch on. You're right that the ending is as catchy as any part of the song, if not the catchiest part of the song. You know, people might be kind of following along and then that part comes in and they start chanting along with it or dancing if they weren't dancing before. And yeah, it's a great way to start the album. This is going to be an experience. Yeah. And this song is interesting because we talked about Off the Wall and I've read a lot about this song, you know, being a DJ. And there is some folklore that says this was a track that was left over from the last album. And you can feel Mm -hmm. the dance rhythm to this one. And I think it's very appropriate that Michael selected this one. And Ray, you've got the Bible in front of you. How many number ones are off this one? Actually, there's off of Thriller. Mm -hmm. Only two of the songs hit number one. Beat it in Billie Jean. Beat it in Billie Jean, and they, you know, and, and we'll we'll talk about those a little bit more. But okay. they almost knocked each other out of number one. You know, there was one week between them where Dexy's Midnight Runners, you know, popped into number one for a week. Otherwise, uh, Michael Jackson would have been only the third act in history behind Elvis and the Beatles in the history of the the Hot 100 anyway to knock himself out of number one. But those are the only two number ones. That's amazing. Seven top tens, but the two number ones. And wow. I mean, between the two of them, they spent 10 weeks at number one. So, it, you know, right. it wasn't it's no, like they both popped up there for a week and that was it, too. Yeah, it's but, nothing to right, laugh right, at. Right. And what's fascinating is I remember when we were in college, we went to one of those, I don't know, record bonanza places. And I bought this used and I came back and I was playing it. And I remember I put it in, want to be starting something, was playing through our dorm room and we had our door open. And someone popped their head in and said, hey, can I trade you for that? And I was like, I just got it. <laughs> so I know, but this is a really good album. And then it f- clicked to this next track, which was Baby Be Mine. Yep. And still, while the person's standing in the doorway, this song is playing. And I'm thinking, well, this isn't a big hit. And I'm like, please, I'll tra- whatever you want. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you these CDs for it or something. I'm like, no, this is, I just got this. I want to listen to this. And... It's amazing that even though this next track, Baby Me Mine, it's kind of a, you know, a mid-tempo kind of a thing, but it still could have been something that could have been released. And it wasn't written by Michael Jackson. And maybe that's the reason why it it wasn't released. I'm not sure, but it still was produced by Quincy Jones. And it's yep. just, it kind of fits nicely in this mix. I don't know how, when they decided to select all these. And we didn't even talk about the album cover and when you open the album cover, there's something special inside there. There's a lot about this album. Yeah, there's a lot going on. As you said, that you know the, you know even the the cover, the look that the look um, that's on that cover, the the suit that Michael's wearing, the sort of you know coolness that that kind of conveys. And then yeah, you get to the second track. So you start out you know with this great groove, and then this is another up tempo right dance number. Rod Temperton wrote it. He had written a bunch of stuff for Michael for Off the Wall. So you talk about Off the Wall, right? He had written Off the Wall and Rock With You. He also worked with them on, he also wrote The Lady in My Life, which we'll get to later, and Thriller. So, I mean, you know, he's involved in a number of stuff that Michael Jackson's done. He's worked with uh, Baby Come to Me, right? Patty Austin and James Ingram. Yeah. Worked with George Benson. You know, he's, you know, well-known, prolific songwriter and record producer. And so they bring him in, and right, he's involved on a number of tracks here, and this is the first one we hear from him. And yeah, you're right, it, 
it could have been released as a single. I mean, they, they really could have released all nine of these songs had they want to. This is one of the two that they didn't, but it's danceable. It's, it's memorable, right? You know, I was just re-listening to it this morning and I was like, yeah, you know, this is probably the song on the album that I know the least and still I know it. And you right? still know it. That's what's funny. And you talked about the album cover. This is one where when I was listening to it, because I remember I eventually picked up the vinyl of this. And this is one where I would open it up because you got all pumped up with want to be starting something. Maybe you're tapping your foot, singing along, and you're, just, you're not going to open up the album cover because <laughs> you're, you're too energized. So then I open this up and inside it's it's Michael. He's I think it's a is it a baby tiger? You just sprawl out on the inside and then you start reading through the lyrics and just everything about this album is just it's special. Yeah, yeah, and it's a baby tiger that baby he's, tiger. he's right on his leg there as he's kind of, you know, stretched out. So it's got the the cover, but then you see more of Michael including, you know, his legs and and there's this yeah, baby tiger, you know. <laughs> hey, I don't know what the I don't know. I'm sure, you know, other folks know the story of why they picked that imagery and what, you know, what, oh, yeah. what was behind that. But, you know, it, it's part of the, the whole feel, right? Um, there's a there's sort of a, a coolness, a toughness to that, right? You know, and, and trying to convey, uh, it's that, that idea of cool, mm-hmm. right? And Well, yeah. he was. I mean, everyone tried to dress like him, dance like him. Right. Uh, Alfonso Ribeiro from, I guess now he's an right. AFV and also Carlton. From yep, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. He was a Michael Jackson protege, and I believe yep. he danced in the Pepsi commercial with Michael Jackson yep. doing the, you know, the moonwalk. Yeah, that's how Alfonso Rivera was found, and then he went on to be on Silver Spoons. Remember that, and then, and then eventually built a career out of that. Led to you know all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I remember recently. I think you released something on Tunes Mate where he had a single. He actually yeah, released he his own song. And it was right around, you know, this early era. But that brings us to track number three, and it's with Paul McCartney, and it's called The Girl Is Mine. Yeah, so this is, right, I mentioned Say, Say, Say earlier. This is the pair of singles that McCartney and Michael Jackson did together. This one appears on Michael's album, and Say, Say, Say was on McCartney's albums. Uh, Say, Say, Say was the bigger hit. It actually went to number one. This peaked out at number two. It was the first release off of the Thriller album. So The Girl Is Mine is the, you know, the very first single of those seven that hit the top 10. It's got this sort of light rock adult contemporary feel to it. There's that that sort of, I guess this is kind of a throwback to, to Motown, right? The the voiceover part, right? Where Michael and Paul at the minute, oh, you know, Michael, you know, and Michael's, I'm a lover, not a fighter, Paul. And they go back and forth and, you know, and then they kick right back in, into the, uh, right out of the dialogue, right back into the the vocals. And so, you know, it's got this kind of light lilting kind of feel to it. And it's, it's bringing these two pop superstars together. Yeah. And I was surprised that this was the first single that they selected because <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the song women that was selected for Def Leppard's hysteria album. It was released in this one actually, you know, it, it did well, but it didn't seem yep. like it was very representative of what was yet to come. Yeah. That's a, you know, that's a great point. It doesn't, it has a different feel than a lot of the rest of the album. And it's actually, it's also the shortest song on the album. And so it's, it's kind of a, a sort of, again, I mentioned light rock, right? It's, it's very much a just sort of classic pop song. 
And then, and so here you are, you're listening to this, this groove of an album, soul album. And, and then this kind of pops in and, but then, then again, right. You think of where we're going to go next. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. You know, this kind of bridging and saying, by the way, you know, we, we started something. Okay. You're in with this. Okay. Baby be mine. We're kind of, yeah. Like you said, we kind of tone it down a little bit. We're still dancing right now. What, what, what? Okay. Now we're going real light. Now, number four, holy cow, what is this thing? Number four <laughs> is epic thriller. Right? And this song, this was the one that the video on MTV, I just remember, it's like a movie. Yeah. Is it 20 minutes? I, I can't remember how long it is. I know it's a very long, it's like a short story. And I remember when this came out, it was all about the video. I, I know the song now, you hear it on the radio. I think it's funny when you hear Thriller and it's the 4th of July. Like right. I'm, I'm sitting inside of an auto zone getting some oil and you hear Thriller and you're like, okay, <laughs> sure, why not? But this, it was all about the video. Yeah, it was. It was a 13-minute video. I mean, they, they actually, they conceived of it as a short film, right? So, I mean, they, they put together a a mini film budget for this thing. John Landis, a right horror director came in and, and uh, directed this thing. I mean, this, you know, Michael Jackson went on from this to create like video experiences. He did this with bad. He did it with smooth criminal. You know, we go out, remember the time black and white, right? You know, we go on from here and it's, it's not like he hadn't before, but this was where the idea of, Michael Jackson's doing not just a video, but an experience really, I think, came into sort of the popular consciousness. And, and you're right. It was all about the video. I remember being at the roller rink and they would put the screens down and on would come Thriller and everybody would be out there skating around the Thriller because this was an experience. And I didn't realize this, that this was the final single released from the yeah. album. So you think about this, you had, this had to been, I don't know how many years later, because this there was maybe a year and a half later. I don't, it yeah. seems like this album was out forever, but yeah. you've got Vincent Price on this single and it's fascinating how just his, just him alone put his imprint on this song. Oh yeah. Just having Vincent Price on there. I, you know, it, I mean, this guy, Vincent Price was synonymous with horror films. And so to have, and that voice that he had, and mm -hmm. that's what makes him so, so emblematic of it, you know? And, and it was, it was a year and it was the last single. It was, the, it was almost a year and a half later. It was February of 84 that it came out. And so it was like, you know, boy, we, and it's interesting because, you know, we think about the ability to sustain seven singles and this became a trend. So Michael Jackson's next album, Bad, did the same thing. Bruce Springsteen did this with Born in the USA, right? Janet Jackson went on to do this with uh, Rhythm Nation, right? So this this mm -hmm. trend, this became sort of a trend of try to get six, seven. So you mentioned Def Leppard's Hysteria, right? They had actually seven singles, but six top 40 singles off of that. So women didn't make it. What, women's the only one that didn't make it, right? Right. Exactly. So I've even seen people refer to Animal as the first single, and they're it's like, no, actually, Animal's the second single. So, but this this was the you know the album that really established that trend or really made, I mean, it was, it, it had happened before, but this is, it really made it, oh, wow, that's something to, to aspire to. Michael Jackson did this, but Thriller helped make this possible because yeah, here you go through six singles. And by the time people might be getting sick of it, 
No, guess what? We're going to throw something at you that's a whole new experience, right? With the short film film video. We're going to make you still want to pay attention to Michael Jackson. And that's exactly what they did. And the zombie dance today is still well known. As soon as somebody does that, they go, oh, yeah, yeah, I I know what that is. It gets played every Halloween. Yep. Even on the 4th of July, right? But this this song is just one of those where it's it's amazing. And yep. that's just side one. Yep. And what's interesting is Thriller was not written by Jackson. It was by Temperton again. Yep. So fascinating just how these songs were released. But then you go ahead, you flip this over if you've got the, the vinyl. And right. the first track on the second side is what you said earlier, one of the number one hits. Yeah. So, right, you know. Kids today, right? I'm going to sound like an old guy now. Kids today don't know that experience of having to flip this, the album over. But, but like you said, when you went out and bought, you got that album on vinyl, you know, okay, you got to the end of Thriller. It was like, oh my God, I just had to experience. Wait, what's on side two? So then, yeah, the first thing you hear on side two is a rock jam, right? Yeah. You hear Eddie Van Halen playing guitar. You've got you know, this, this, I mean, it's still got this danceable beat. That's, I mean, it's still got the groove, but they've added in this, this rock electric guitar to this thing and, and made the whole thing work. And it, it becomes the, the third single off of the album and the second number one single off of the album, a huge hit. Yeah, and I still love the story about, you mentioned Eddie Van Halen. I still love the story that he got a call from Michael Jackson and said, hey, do you want to come down? So they were just starting to record 1984. Remember, this was prior to Jump and all the other accolades they had af- you know, after the Beat It song. He thought he could go down and record this guitar solo and nobody would know it was him. So he didn't tell David, probably mentioned something to his brother, but he didn't tell anybody else. He just kind of went down there, recorded the solo, came back and was like, ah, nothing of it. He didn't ask Michael for anything for it, just recorded the solo and... If you hear it, you instantly know yep. who it is. And I think that was the song. This song was a big crossover and brought in a whole different wave of fans because of the solo. Yeah, yeah. I think it reaches it reached different audiences, right? It, it, it would have been easy for some fans to take this album and say, okay, this is an R&B album, right? This is another soul, black, R&B, urban radio, whatever they wanted to call it, album at the time and, and said, well, and of course, because it's Quincy Jones and it's Michael Jackson. Sure. Michael Jackson's a pop artist, but you know, they've drawn, but there are all, there are these things in here that make it much more than that. Right. You mentioned Vincent Price, you know, we're going to talk about some other things in here and, and yeah, this track and having Eddie Van Halen on here says, no way. This is a pop experience. This is bringing in, you know, Paul McCartney, right. I mean, you know, the only thing big, potentially bigger than the Beatles is Elvis. Michael covers that a decade later. So we've got, you know, right? So we've got, you know. The, he marries his daughter. Right? Exactly. That's what I'm getting at, right? So, so you know, we got McCartney on here. We've got, and so we get, Eddie, yeah, we get Eddie Van Halen on here. And like you said, this is before 1984. So, you know, Van Halen's known, right? People know who Van Halen are. And, the, you know, they've had a few hits, but they haven't had that that huge superstar success yet that's a year and a half away yet so they bring eddie van halen in and he does this and you know and this is you know and this is like one of those other you know side projects that eddie did like doing uh donut city right and the wildlife you know that you know and and it was as you said you you know that distinctive style of guitar there 
you know, that's why Eddie is so revered because skill, not only his skill, but his distinctiveness were something that people recognized and emulated. And here it is on this album. Yeah, it, it was. And funny thing, and I know there's so many songs that we could probably spend 20 <laughs> minutes on each one of these songs. But recently there was a Weird Al mockumentary that was released. Yeah. I don't know if you heard about that. It was on Roku. Yeah. But the whole premise of it, not to be a spoiler alert here, was that Michael Jackson ripped off Weird Al. So it's Weird Al wrote Eat It. It was an original song. And then in the middle of the movie, he's like, Michael Jackson came in and he's doing a parody of my song. <laughs> so he wrote this Beat It song. And, and Weird Al's like in the movie, he's like, is that about what, beating eggs? It's like, no. <laughs> well, and, you're, and I'm glad you bring that up because that's it. Eat It was, yeah. was what helped make Weird Al a household name. Before that, he had been known on Dr. Demento and other, you know, sort of, you know, certain fringe audiences. That's the song that put him on the map. It propelled him yeah. into just, I would imagine it probably had some magic dust for Van Halen as well. <laughs> so we'll see. There's just so much here. Yep. And then the next song, which was the next number one you mentioned earlier. This, again, is the video. I remember the video that the square's lighting up on the ground, which is what song, Ray? That is, yeah, I mean, you can't mistake it, Billie Jean. I mean, seven weeks at number one, the second single off the album. You know, as you said, the video with Michael dancing on those squares. Again, it was a, you know, again, this wasn't the short film experience they would later do with Thriller, but it's it was that idea, we're going to take the video and make the video something interesting that you want to watch. And you wanted to watch that video. Yeah. Yeah. Billie Jean is, you know, it, it's funny. I've, I've had this sort of discussion in my own head over and over again for the past probably 25, 30 years of if I had to pick one Michael Jackson song that is the representative song, which one is it? And I've thought about Beat It. You know, I've thought about Bad. I've thought about uh, Rock With You. You know, I end up at Billie Jean. It's the, I mean, it, it wasn't, you know, his, well, I guess it, it tied for his longest run at number one because black or white would later tie it. But, you know, it, it, so I guess it, it was his biggest hit in a sense, but it just, it was, it was the one that people remember that people snap onto as the Michael Jackson song. And again, you talk about infectious groove, that baseline. I mean, you just can't mistake it. I agree. I think I would also select this one because of that baseline. And this was, written by Michael Jackson, once again, produced Jackson and Quincy Jones, but it's all about that baseline. And it's interesting. I mean, there's been line dances that have been created from that baseline. <laughs> there's just so much about it. And being a DJ, you put this on, you could mix it basically into almost anything. And it just gets people out there. I just don't know what it is about it. Actually, I do. It's the baseline. <laughs> it's I mean, yeah, the rest of the instrumentation is good. I mean, it's really good. And his vocals are great. And, you know, but I mean, that bass line starts the thing and it just, it carries the whole song. And so, yeah, you just, I mean, I'm, I'm literally hearing it in my mind now wanting yeah, to, just, too. you know, and I, and I want to just get up and groove to it. Uh, yeah. And once again, so one and two, they, yep. they were this on the side two yep. beat it, Billie Jean, number one hits. And you talked about the fact earlier, but this third song, on side two, human nature. 
it could be my favorite song off the album, which is hard for me to say because there's so much good here, but there's just something about it. Yep. And it's not written by Michael Jackson. No. no. Yeah, it's funny for me. It, this is my favorite song. I mean, so... It, what song is it? It's Well, it's not <laughs> Billie Jean, right? So again, this is sort of the distinction, right? With Billie Jean is the the representative song. But if I have to say what's my personal favorite song... It's number three on the side two, and that's Human Nature. And as you said, not written by Michael Jackson, co-written by uh, Steve Piccaro and John Bettis, right? So Toto wrote this song. I mean, Steve Piccaro, right, of, of Toto wrote this song. And to me, you know, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't know that, right? When I first fell in love with it, I didn't realize that. And then I later learned that. And I was like, well, that probably explains it. Because, you know, I mean, I, I like Toto a lot. And I... I really, I, I really connect with a lot of Toto. I mean, I, I listened to the, the Dune soundtrack from 1984, you know, with mm-hmm. some of that's Brian Eno, but there's a whole bunch of Toto stuff in there. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm probably a certified Toto fan when I sit around listening to that. And so that probably on my end, that makes sense to me why this would hit me. But there's that wall of sound. This is what does it. I mean, it doesn't just come in with, you know, so B- Billie Jean catches you with that baseline, right? Mm-hmm. Human nature catches you with the wall, that shimmering wall of sound that comes in at the beginning. And that's, that's how I think of it in my mind, right? It's like, you know, it, it's shimmering. It's like this curtain just coming down upon the music. And, and then I just, I just can't help but just feel mellow and cool and just, just ready to, to do anything when I listen to this thing. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's been sampled. I remember in the 90s, right here, the Human Nature remix by SWV. Yep. When that came on, I actually liked that song for a while over the original <laughs> just because of how they put it together. But it's interesting how you know, this song has been sampled by many R&B artists. And like you said, it's, it's pretty much Toto as the backing band <laughs> <laughs> with Michael Jackson. But there is something about it that just has a calm nature to it. And I think it's going to continue to have an imprint, even though it's just track three on side two of Thriller. But then we get to number four, which was another hit, PYT, Pretty Young Thing. And this, interesting, was James Ingram and Quincy Jones who wrote this one. But to me, this sounds like a... Michael Jackson song. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of interesting with like as you said that that Michael didn't co-write this one. It was actually James Ingram who wrote this with Quincy. And but it does. I mean that, you know, it the dance groove that's to it, you know, that that sort of weird duck voice thing in the middle, right? You know, that kind of comes in and it sounds like a quintessential Michael Jackson dance song. And it, yeah, it was one of the, the top 10 hits. It was, you know, number six. It was actually the lowest of the top 10 hits. It only went to number 10. So I guess, you know, it, it's only the seventh best song on the album, I guess, right? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but it, it's it's another catchy one Yeah, that if you put this on, if you're at a wedding reception or somewhere, you can get some people dancing. It's, it's definitely a signature Michael Jackson song. Yep. And it just... Once again, it reminds me a little bit of Wanna Be Starting Something, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where 
it kind of starts off with that kind of groove and then it, it ends on something different a little bit as you began with. So I don't know if Wannabe Start, it sounds like from the history, Wannabe starting something was written for the off the wall and he brought it over to this album. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure if maybe they were listening to that and I said, hey, Michael, we got this other song. <laughs> we were inspired by one of yours, <laughs> but that's what it track four sounds like. And then you end it on five, The Lady in My Life, which was, wasn't released, but it's another one of those Temperton songs yep. that just like Baby Be Mine wasn't released. It's kind of a, a mellow, yep. soulful song, but it seems fitting when you kicked it off with this high energy, want to be starting something. And now I'm now on The Lady in My Life. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about PYT as sort of this quintessential uh, Michael Jackson dance song. To me, the lady in my life is is like the a quintessential Michael Jackson ballad. It, you know, you've talked about off the wall a lot. This song reminds me a lot of "She's Out of My Life" from that album, and I mean, kind of even very similarly titled. So i I tend to to think of this as okay, this is Michael Jackson doing a Michael Jackson ballad. This is really the only one on the album. You know, the only other sort of slowish song is the girl is mine and even that's not like a you know a ballad so that's just kind of a light rock thing so um and i, I mean human nature but that's more of a mellow groove so so this is the real only i would say like ballad on the on the album and it's a it's a quintessential michael jackson ballad so we as you said we start with wannabe starting something really kicks us off dancing we move through this whole journey right through through rock and pop and horror and everything else, right? And film and everything else. And then we end up with, okay, and then I'm going to leave you just kind of chilling with this ballad that's just like other ballads I've done to kind of, you know, end the experience. Yeah, and what fascinated me about this is I know Michael Jackson prior to this album was a big artist. Obviously, he's in the Jackson 5 and think of all the accolades he had prior to this. But... I believe it, this was the album that made him international. Once this came out, I mean, you can even look at the sales figures that they've been able to calculate. And I think this was the album. And it's because I think of all that variety you were talking about and all the crossover and bringing in all this collaboration that made it an international bestseller. Yeah, I think I think you're you're exactly right. There's no question. This is the album that made Michael Jackson the biggest thing in pop music and internationally. You can look at the tour. I mean, I remember you know seeing footage on the news and on MTV about uh, Michael Jackson on tour around not just in the United States but around the world. He was big before this. It wasn't like this put him on the map. He, as you said, he was in Jackson Five. I mean, Off the Wall had been a hugely successful album. So it's, you know, this wasn't like his groundbreaking superstar making album. It's what made him the next level in a way that nobody else was. I mean, you can look at Lionel Richie, you know, Madonna's, you know, coming along right at this time, Prince, Hall & Oates, Phil Collins, go on down the list of everybody else in the 80s. And, you know, Michael Jackson is the one who became this international phenomenon to a level that I think. And again, his only real peers on that level are probably Madonna and Prince. And even then, I think he achieved a, a type of international success that supersedes them a little bit, that rises above them a little bit. 
And you're right. It's this album that did it. And it, it's the experience. It's the, the feel that this album gave that caught so many different fans. And that, I mean, and we can't forget, and that the record company, you know, promoted this in a way sure. that helped do that too. So it wasn't just like, oh, wow, everybody thought this was great. It got promoted as that too. But it all, but you know, you can promote the heck out of something. If it's not good, it's, it's not going to do that. This had the whole package all together. And you think about this, you know, this was you know, released in 1982. We're celebrating 40 years, but then it took them a while to write bad. Yeah. And it came out in 87. Then yep. you had dangerous in 91. Then he did that kind of future book thing. I, I, it was kind of a greatest hits. I knew there's some new songs on there. And then Invincible was his last, you know, official, I guess, album released 2001. I still think that I've read some interviews. Michael Jackson was constantly chasing making a record as good as Thriller again to the end of his career. Yeah, it sort of was a, I mean, it's one of those chases where once you've done that, it's like you want to do it again, right? I, I can, I can mm -hmm. completely understand that. Bad was close. It, I got to tell you, I mean, it was, it was almost song for song close it, it was good i mean it was as close i think as he got and he, i think he really tried with dangerous i think if you I look at, right too yeah. i think i think dangerous was where you saw the biggest attempt right you look at what i remember when that was released we were in college and the you know the one toledo radio station like played the whole thing at like midnight right that mm -hmm. night to, and we listened to it and and i think you can really see the attempt in bad because I mean, you start off with, you know, okay, we're going to make another short film, right? And we're going to do a video with yep. that. It's got a whole bunch of different feels, right? You've got the rockin' number with Dirty Diana, right? You've got the, you know, the ballad kicks. The, I mean, the very first single was not bad, right? It was, I just, stop, I just can't stop loving you. Another ballad again. Right, with Saida Garrett, right? So, you know, you've got the, the real dance. It should have been Saida McCartney. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, sorry. <laughs> right? That, so, so we lead off, I mean, in a way, it kind of, you know, it mirrors it, right? So we've got. Yeah, we lead off with this ballad, and then we go to to bad, right? Which is the title track and the short film. And I mean, they didn't even have a video to uh, "I Just Can't Stop Loving You." And then, right, and then the way you make me feel, right? The big dance number comes out. Oh, and then the message, the message song, right? Man in the mirror. And then we get the mm -hmm. rocking song, Dirty Diana. And by the way, all five of these hit number one, right? So he goes five straight number ones. So you can, as you said, we you can really see the attempt here. But dangerous to me is the one where you really see where they're really, really trying, right? Mm -hmm. and, Bringing Michael Jordan into your yep. video. Yep. Wait, which MJ is in there? Both of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Magic Johnson in Remember the Time and Michael Jordan in Jam, right? And they've got uh, Norm from uh, uh, George Wendt, right. right? And, and Macaul Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin. Culkin. Yeah. You know, I mean, he brought was pulling, he he was pulling the noise. out. He was pulling out all the stops here, but... It, it was the impossible dream. It was, yeah. I can totally Thriller understand wanting to do that, but you, it was impossible. There was no way you were ever going to do that again. Yeah, I, you're right. I mean, it's, it, it is fascinating. And, you know, 40 years album's been out and it seems like it was released yesterday yeah. and you can definitely get the greatest hits, but there's just something about listening to this particular album from back to front. And if you haven't had an opportunity go out there listen to it stream it got the cassette eight track <laughs> compact disc vinyl. vinyl whatever you've got go and listen to it but it's 
it's been out 40 years. It's still made a huge mark. You could see it's still causing waves from each one of those songs that we highlighted. And I think it was a really good pick here, Ray, to go back and reflect on this. Yeah, thanks. It just kind of, you know, I, I realized it was the anniversary and I was like, gosh, we got to talk about this. I mean, you know, it's just so important to pop music and, and it's been, it's been important to both of our lives. And so that's what we're all about with Tunesmate, right? And another fact for all you Tunesmate fans, this is what started the Tunesmate blog was the death of Michael Jackson. I remember yep. I messaged you, Ray, and I was like, Ray, Michael Jackson just passed away. Do you want to start writing about music? We're like, sure. <laughs> so that was the first post that yep. we put up was about the death of Michael Jackson and asking about what your favorite song was. And, you know, fast forward, what is it, 13, 14 years later already, Ray, and yep. we're still here. And that's what, when we hit our 10th anniversary, we said, hey, let's start talking about it on this podcast. So we hope you've been enjoying. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast, follow our blog. And once again, I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And we will see you next time. <laughs>